Welcome back to Sister Brunch, the podcast all about Black women and gender expansive people thriving in entertainment and media. And we're now in our fourth season. I say it every time because I can't believe it. And it's amazing. We encourage you to listen back to our previous guests on Apple or Spotify podcast and find ways to uplift and encourage these amazing women and non-binary folks that we have on the podcast. And also, if you've got questions about the entertainment and media industry, we would so love to hear your voice and your question. As a matter of fact, we're going to play one today. You can always call us and leave us a voicemail at 424-587-4870. And we might just ask your question or play your voice on a future episode or on our social media. We also want to share all the love that our listeners leave for us through reviews. This one is from Zero Two Hero. This one is TWO, Zero Two Hero. I love that that name. Uh, and Zero to Hero says, fantastic show with fantastic people. I learn every time I listen to this podcast. Well done. Thank you so much, Zero to Hero. And if you're listening now and loving our show, anybody else, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and leave us a review as well. I'm your host, Fanchon Cox, and today's guest Come on now. I mean, you already know it's Anya Adams. She's the OG. She's the reason we're here. She's a TV director with over 25 years of experience in the industry. She started out as a DGA trainee and she worked as a first AD on the award-winning shows like The Mindy Project, Insecure, and Blackish. She is a two-time NAACP Image Award winner for Outstanding Director, and she was named as one of the top emerging female filmmakers on the Alice list for 2020. You can also watch her recent work on shows like Yellow Jackets, Ginny and Georgia, and A League of Their Own. Last but not least, she is, of course, the co-founder and the producer of this very podcast, Sister Brunch. Help me, family, in welcoming back our Sister Brunch OG and director extraordinaire, Anya Adams. Whoops. Ah, welcome back, Anya. Thank you. I cannot believe that I've been in this industry for 25 years. Wow. How did that happen? And the thing is, you've <laughs> got a lot done. This is the thing is like, because this is, takes a long time, doesn't it? it but does. you, like, you're, you're really, really, really far ahead of the game. I mean, I'm in the game. You're, sister, you you so far ahead of the game. You're you're I'm our role game. model. You're you you are <laughs> you are straight up the role model. This for, is why I came to the podcast. So that yeah, I get give, all of this. Give me flowers. <laughs> let me let me give give you me all the love. flowers. <laughs> well, so you already know how this goes, but yeah. But especially mentioning that you've been here in this industry for that long, take us back as far as you want to take us back to how all of this happened in the first place. Okay. When I was a little baby. No. <laughs> you um, can go back that far. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I went to school for psychology. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I always loved theater arts. And so I joined a, a group called, or a company called Up With People. I traveled with them. They were a nonprofit organization of students that traveled around the world for a year. That when I traveled with them, they did a two-hour show, like a live show, and they did community service, and they stayed and host families. And 
It was an incredible experience. I, I traveled as a student and then I worked with them for like five years, um, but it was a nonprofit. And so as many of us know, nonprofits have a hard time sustaining mm. themselves. Yeah. And so Up With People was kind of crumbling. The entity that it was when I traveled was kind of crumbling. It's still around. It's just in a different manifestation. Um, so I was like desperately looking for how I could take that experience and apply it to like life because I was traveling. And so that was kind of a different world. Um, and I found the DGA trainee program, which is still around. It's a program that trains you to be an assistant director. And at the time I thought that was like what I should be doing. I, I came up as a production in Apple people, I was a production manager and a company manager. So I was really good at the logistics and you know, I was really good at creative, but I was very logistic heavy. So I did. Okay. Okay. I, so one thing that we have to mention is that you are from Canada. Yes. So okay. to find, to, to know about, find the DGA program and also feel confident being from Canada, not having been raised here kind of yeah. with, with that influence that a lot of even our, you know, some of our guests or listeners even grew up in LA. So they have, but how, how did you know about Find the DG? Program? Yeah. I found it online Love and it. I'm, I, I'm an old head. So the internet was very weak at that time, <laughs> but they had a pro, they had a, a thing actually at the time that I found this, uh, the DGA trainee program online, they were sending out VHS tapes of like, this like half hour video of what a trainee was. And one in the video, one of the things they talked about was like, as a trainee, you're going to have to carry a bag, a little tiny bag on your hip with quarters. Cause you got to make calls to the production office. Wow. There were no cell phones when this, <laughs> when this, like it was old. So I've been wow. doing this for a minute. You have. But, yes. Um, yeah, uh, I'm fr I am from Canada and I am blessed in that my parents are American, so I have mm. dual citizenship. Mm. So it allows me to work in the States. It allows me to work in Canada. For our international viewers, the DGA trainee program is not available to you. You have to be American to partake in it. Mm. Um, but I think the Canadian uh, DGC has something similar um, that allows to kind of get you in the pro into um, working as an AD. So I know the DGC does. I'm not sure about Europe or Africa or mm. anywhere else, but for sure, um, Canada has something similar. Mm. Yeah. So I, the, I, go ahead. Uh, during the DGA trainee program, the mentor, some of the mentors decided that they wanted to kind of have you all come together outside of the program. Yeah. So as a, like a black female in a, a sea of whiteness, um, one of the things that happened was, that, you know, there are there were several black, specifically women that had graduated or were part of the program. And in an effort to kind of create a, you know, sisterhood, um, a couple of the uh, graduated trainees who were working started having brunches and just inviting the younger generation to brunch and just allowing us to kind of be like, this thing happened on set and I don't know, is it racism? Is it like some bullshit? Is it because I'm a woman? Is it because I did something wrong? Like, and allowed us to kind of have these conversations and um, get some clarity because it's such a fast paced environment. It's hard to stop and learn. You're just thrown kind of into the, into the raging river and expected to float 
and then swim. So it was this beautiful kind of collection of women that started gathering and the group grew and grew and we called it Sister Brunch. And so um, inadvertently, I ended up hosting a lot of them because I'm a social being. Yes. And so <laughs> um, we would host, you know, I'd, I'd invite people to my house. It literally would become an all day thing. Raucous. And let's let's be real. It was Because as soon as we say to each other, let's talk about the real things that are going yeah. down. Plus add in some alcohol, you yeah. know, you, you, you taught me about Aperol spritz. I think that was the first <laughs> yeah. time I ever had one at one of your sister brunches, but yeah. it is, it is just lovely because we get loud and we laugh and I don't even think there's a lot of tears because we're mostly just celebrating, it's not, but it's yeah. celebrating. And like what started happening was once everybody, you know, once the largest amount of people were there, we just kind of go around the group and say like, what am I doing? Almost like a fellowship, yeah. you know, yeah. where am I, what I'm doing, something great that happened to me. So we could all celebrate for each other and also like help each other out. Oh, I'm going to go work with that guy. I've worked with him before. Let me help you out. And so when fashion came, I remember her mind being blown because she was like, I have never seen this many black women, you know, that, you know which is, Kind of true. Like I hadn't either. You don't. What became and they, a norm, they but silo us on purpose, yeah. right? And so you you don't even know. I mean, that's that's even guests on Sister Brunch are like, oh, there's this whole other community, and yeah, yeah, we just don't know it. And I had been told over and over again that people can't find enough, you know, whatever it is to hire. And I was like, well, they're right here yeah. in Anya's backyard. Yeah, you gonna know about them? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and. And um, yeah, so it was, it was so, it was super fun to see your reaction, but also, you know, afterwards when we talked about it and just how important it was to be able to show the world, you know, the opportunities that are available to young women, yes. old women, all women, yes. black women, that's, yeah. you know, the opportunities that are available in production that aren't just director, producer, actor. There's so many yeah. jobs. And there's so many opportunities for us to become a part of the creative event that is filmmaking, that is television. And all of it is important. Like, you know, as a director on set, when I see another black person, I'm so jubilant. It doesn't matter if they're the key grip or the hair person <laughs> or the props person or the special effects. I know that their personality and their creative kind of mindset is gonna add and create layers in a way that it isn't done when it's all one type of person. Mm. So, mm. yeah. Cause that's how I like to run my sets is best idea wins. And so that idea comes from everybody. It's not just me. It's not just the actor. It's like, you know, Anya, has a Anya, good idea. I have to point out that you just <laughs> said, that's how I run my sets. Yeah. And we're going to run that back over and over and over again, even to look at the difference between where you are now and where you were when we started the podcast. I know. I know. <laughs> it's so That's beautiful. Crazy. You are running your sets and you were yeah. starting to and you were you were already working. You won the yeah. NAACP Image Award. I think you won your first one when we first got started in that first yeah season but you you you're you're running it so now you're in this position one for people to listen to you and and for you to have influence on the stories that are told yeah. and to hire folks like yeah. 
It's so I mean, I don't know. The hiring is also harder. Like when you're in TV, you're a journeyman. So you're not necessarily, your, your influence in hiring is really in casting. And that's whether the showrunner is open to allowing you to have say. But if you're a working director, a lot of times the casting is happening before you get there or mm. you're not able to be involved. So there's not a lot of like... <clears throat> opportunity to hire as a journeyman director as a mm. pilot director you have a more influence as a as a feature director you have more influence but in television it is definitely harder to to hire i'd love for you to talk about um a tv pilot that you have directed and then the movie and movies that you're going to be directing and and then talk about the differences like what is it like on a daily basis and mm -hmm. and start with the pilot because you then you you're helping to shape the the tv show some right yeah. that's why they hire you on so yeah. you i mean i've only done one pilot that pilot was Ginny and georgia yeah well um, i mean show... <laughs> that's a pretty big one that's like number <laughs> one show on netflix, on netflix. yeah Go See, ahead. this season is yeah I mean, I, I, yeah, I directed episodes one and two of Ginny and Georgia season one. So I was the director that worked with the showrunner and the creator to create the look. We were intimately involved in casting. Um, so like Antonia Gentry, Brianne, how those guys were like the trio of us really fought to get those women um, into the leads. Mm. Mm. Um, and that involved a lot of collaboration um, because ultimately in a television show, you're working with someone who's created the, you created the show and either that person is the creator and the showrunner or they're two different people. There's a showrunner and that person's running the creative through line of the show, running the, um, the, the writer's room and really like is the person pushing the cadence forward in terms of like when scripts comes out, how that all rolls as well as dealing with onset stuff, as well as dealing with, um, you know, post. And then the creator is involved as much or as little as, is you know, kind of woven into that fabric in Ginny and Georgia, Sarah, um, is very involved. She's a part of everything. And, and I think that's great. I mean, it's her vision, it's her idea. So so yeah, the three of us really worked tightly together to create that for that pilot and, you know, and kind of all the looks like, what does the house look like? You know, what, what is um, Tony's, sorry, what does Ginny's room look like? You know, uh, what kind of car do they drive? What, what school are we shooting in? If, if you watch the show, there's a very long hallway that they walk along that has all these different colors and seating areas. And that was kind of born out of, <clears throat> Sarah had a vision from her high school. And so I had to take that idea, work with the production designer and Sarah, the creator to like, you know, make a, a version of that in the hallway. So it's like, that's the kind of stuff you do. Our, I had did as a, as a pilot director for that Netflix show. And I think pilot directors have different experiences, but that was definitely you know, it was casting. It was, it was everything. You were a huge really awesome. part of, of yeah. the success of that show. Let's yeah. be real. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I helped to set the look and the tone. And I think like, that's what pulls you in. It's what 
you know, people enjoy and will keep them watching. And so, yeah. So then when um, you go on to a show that's already two, three seasons in, that's a very different experience, right? Yeah. I, I was talking to somebody about that the other day. It's like, it's a, it depends on what kind of director you are, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm a big collaborator. I like to collaborate with the people that have created the story. If it, I haven't brought the story, I like to collaborate because they've been working on the story longer than I have. So mm-hmm. they have all this basis, all this like information that I can use to, you know, create the visual kind of um, representation of this script. So I like collaborating. So for example, I just did an episode of Yellow Jackets. It's for season two. It's not out yet. It'll come out in March. So I loved doing the show. Uh, it was so yeah. awesome. But one of the things that I loved about it was like, I just, I watched the first season. I really tried to understand the characters. And then when you get on set, if you have an understanding of where they've been and then you've read your scripts or you've read everything up until what you're shooting and after you know where they're going so you have you can have this real dialogue with the cast in a way that they feel respected and and heard and you can really like dig into performances so that's fun because you're not creating anything you're just magnifying it and bringing your bringing your talent to it you know was there, given that that's a majority women cast, right? It's really centered on on these women. Um, what did that make a difference for you? Being in, and and does that show in the behind the scenes of that show? Um, and then, what about being a black one woman in particular on that show or others that you've done? Yeah, on on Yellow Jackets, there are two black characters that are in the regular cast, the younger and older, um, Tawny Newsome and Jasmine Savoy Brown. They're they're They play each other, the younger and the older. Um, I think the, the cool thing about this show is they have a black producing director. His name's Jeff Bird. Yeah. So he is there all the time and is definitely somebody who's like carrying the weight of all of that and representing all the time, which is really fantastic. So um, it was great to have him just kind of be there for support. Um, uh, So as a black person coming into that show with somebody in the upper management that's black, it was really nice. Jeff holding this, first of all, Jeff, a black man holding the role of producing director on a female driven show is like, it's pretty, pretty epic. Yeah. And I think it's nice. It's a good balance. You know, I think you need to have like, you need to have the yin and and yang there to like really balance things out. So I think it works. Um, The women, I mean, all of them really care about the work. When I say that, I, I mean, like, as a director, if your actors care about the work, you better fucking care about it too, which means you better know the show, you better know your script, and you better have answers to questions or reasons why you want to do things uh, because the cast is so invested in who they are and why they do things. So I had a lot of, um, you know, good conversations with people about like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about you doing this or that. And if somebody would say no, I was able to have a conversation with them because I had, I, you know, did my homework.
This is Sister Brunch, the podcast by and about black women and gender expansive people who are thriving in entertainment and media. Stay tuned for more of this conversation with our guest, our Sister Brunch OG, Anya Adams. Also, do us a favor, actually, if you love this show, if you love Anya, I mean, let's put it out there. What about if you just love Anya? Then you probably love the show as well. I mean, it's her show. Then go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Share your favorite episode with your friends, with your family. Let folks know about Sister Brunch. Welcome back, and we hope you are as excited as we are to continue our conversation with Anya Adams. Okay, uh, I know we said we're going to do TV and film, so I want to get back to film. But just before that, I, I meant to make sure we share your leap, because you you essentially had this giant leap. One, from being a kick-ass first AD. So, so, and you talked about that a lot, you know, on the show, is the importance of doing really well when you do get hired. And so you really stood out and, and you were well known for being a really good first AD on Blackish. And then you also shot a short film. Yeah. And w- w- tell, tell us a little bit about that and then the leap into directing. Okay, I shot, I... I was first AD on a bunch of shows. Um, I was, when I decided I wanted to direct, I was on the Mindy project. I'd been on Mindy oh, right. project for a couple right. of years and I approached Mindy cause we had a great relationship and people were getting opportunities on the show. And I just said, Hey, I'd love to direct. And she was like, awesome. I want to support you. What have you done? And I was like, fuck, I haven't done anything. So mm-hmm. I better get my shit together. Um, and so at that, that sort of set my wheel spinning. Like I need to find a script that I can shoot. I need to do something to have a calling card to show people I can do the job. And at that, like at the end of that season, Blackish started up. I got poached over to Blackish. I told them I wanted to direct. They were like, cool, cool, cool. Come on, come on, come on. And so while I was there, I got real tight with, not real tight, but I mean, I did. I got close with Marseille Martin and her family. Yeah. And um, and my cousin wrote this script called Lemonade Mafia about two girls dueling over a, 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 a corner for lemonade, a lemonade stand. And Marseille agreed to star in it. And so I was able to shoot a short film in two days with her. I, I had all this I support. didn't know you did it in two days. Go ahead, yeah. Anya. Wow. It was, I had all this support from like, it was insane. Like I, I, I always say this to people, let people, let people know what you want to do because they want to help you, but you have to like be able to also ask for specific things. So like, I know we've talked about this before, Fanchon, like, you know, the whole idea of like people calling me and say, Hey, I need a mentor. Like, I'm not interested in that kind of connection. Um, Hey, I'm looking for a mentor specifically for this thing, or I need Mm. to learn this thing, or can Mm. you help me with this thing? And then I can say yes or no, or direct you, but you're never going to catch me just being like, sure, I'll mentor you. That's just, Mm. (laughs) we don't have the time for that. You know, we need specifics. So when I said I wanted to direct and I told people on the set, I wanted to direct and that I was doing this short film and it was happening at this time. It was like, people were like, yes, I'll help you. Yes, I'll help you. Yes, I'll help you. So I had a lot of help from the Blackish family, which I am forever grateful. And um, we shot the short film. I showed it to Kenya and um, 
And I think that was like, along with like, I had very strong work ethic. I was always there to, you know, help with problem solving. We had a lot of problems on Blackish, like, you know, stuff that, you know, um, organizational stuff. I was always there and ready to help. And, and so I feel like I showed, um, merit. And so Kenya gave me an episode and I didn't stop from there. And I think like you brought it up. I was a good AD. I was a very good AD, but I also am a good, I feel like networker. I keep in touch with people and I let people know what I'm doing. And I, and I don't just call people when I need something, you know, it's, you just, you have to keep the relationships going, even if it's like every year and you don't, we just, Make sure you're connecting. Yeah. Just check in. Invite them to the Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> yes, you've done. But yeah. for real, it's that it is. It's that it, it's building the community first. And you did that from having people over for the sister brunch. Like you had the space. And so you had people over. You were you. It's the whole pay it forward. And even if that, even if you don't have money or you don't have the house to do it or whatever, you've got time, you've got energy, you can check in with your friends, you can offer to come and be on their sets, you can offer to do something on their sets, like all of that matters. And then it comes back to you for real, because once you, once you said you're a director, like you have not stopped, you have not stopped. It's true. I also think it's some, I was talking to somebody else the other day about like when I first came to LA or when I was, had set my sights on LA, I thought I, I found a diary and I'd written in my diary that I wanted to be a casting director. Interesting. And I I say, I'm saying this on this podcast to all y'all out there. I wanted to be a director, but I wrote in my diary, Mm. I wanted to be a casting director because I saw that as attainable. I never in my wildest dreams saw directing as something I could do. So I say this to you all now, like, don't write that shit down. Don't like stifle yourself. If you want to direct, like say it. So it took me a long time to get to that point where, you know, to say it. And once I said it, it happened and it happened because that it's, it's the job I absolutely should be doing. I love doing the job. It's fucking hard. There are days that I hate it, but I love it overall. Like I'm just, it's the right it's what you place were for me. meant to be doing. Yeah. hundred percent. And when I stepped into it, I knew it. So, and that, and like, like my first year of directing, I had, I had the wind at my back. I had, you know, I told a, a, a director that I was ADing for that I wanted to direct. And she was like, oh, you should meet this guy. I met this guy, Melvin Marr. Melvin Marr was like, I like you. I'm going to give you two episodes of TV. You gave me speechless and fresh off the boat. I direct, I worked as a first AD with um, this director named James Griffith, who directed the pilot of Blackish. And we stayed in touch and he started doing this show called the mayor with Brandon Michael Hall, which is not around anymore. And it was a great um, show though. It was. Yeah. And he, what became the, he was a showrunner and, so after Blackish, I did that show because he knew my work ethic and knew what I wanted to do. And then I'd done the short at that point. So, you know, it was laying the groundwork for it moving forward. And then, you know, working hard when I got the opportunity and, you know, and being then, a team player. So important. And it's so, and, and we can talk about what that means as a black woman, right? Because, um, sometimes team player means swallowing 
some feelings, <laughs> some, some feelings, some anger, oh, and and not necessarily. I mean, Anya, one of the things that you do so well is like you still speak truths, and you push where you can. I think that that's something that I always want to make sure we we talk about is like in creating community, it means you're going to be talking to other women that are not having a good time in this fucking industry, right? Are are pushing up against things and you and that we can talk about that honestly and at the same time understand that we have to work within it in order to get to the place where we can bring up the next person. What are your coping mechanisms for the days when somebody says something or does something and you have to hold it in to be able to get through that moment or day or, or show? <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking about my last, the last three shows I've been on have not, I've not had issue like that because I hired my DP for the movie I did an episode of Not Dead Yet, which is a new show out right now. And um, the DP and I, here's the thing that I try to find is like, if I can find some commonality with someone that connects us, it just makes the work situation easier. So pretty much every show that I've just worked on, again, Yellow Jackets, I worked with an amazing DP. Her name's Shasta Spahan. And she was the DP on Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which I did three episodes of. And, and it was probably the hardest show I've ever had to work on. Like it was, it was hard, not because we got to create cool dance sequences. It was hard because of the production aspect of it, the, 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 the personalities that were involved and what was needed to make it through an episode. And I just didn't, it didn't jive with that. And Shasta was the DP and I was probably, I feel like I was the worst version of myself on that show. I wasn't able to make decisions. I, I got really confused with the easiest things. And it was because I was constantly checking myself and was so off my game and just didn't feel right. And so I worked with her on that show and I was like, I never want to see her again. Like I'm just a terrible, I like, I just, let's just go our separate ways. And then I get on yellow jackets and she's there. And I was like, Oh my God, this is going to be really tough. And a full disclosure, I was on the show. I was supposed to be on Zoe's extraordinary um, playlist for four episodes. It was during, during the pandemic. So they only hired two directors. They brought us down and we were like kind of back and forth and I made it to three. And then I had to go. It was a mutual agreement but I was like, like I couldn't make it. And Shasta directed the episode that I didn't do. So it was like a weird, yucky feeling leaving. Uh, so coming onto this show, I was like, oh God, this is going to be tough. And I actually called Jeff Bird and said, look, I want to make sure that there's, cause I know she's going to be my DP, that there's not any, I'm a different person now. It's been a year, <laughs> you know, like, so when I got there, it was nothing but love. Wow. Like it was nothing but love in terms of like, we both went through a really hard situation because she also had a hard time, but I couldn't even see that because right. I was just you, It so was so like, hard for you. Right. Yeah. Right. 
So we, we, which I think is a really important thing to think about is like everyone has their own responsibilities on the set. And if you're having a hard time, if it's a hard show, probably everyone's having a hard time. And when you come out of it, you'll be able to kind of commiserate. But anyway, we, I mean, we did a fucking awesome episode. I'm so excited about the episode we just did on Yellow Jackets and we worked so well together and I'm, I'm so happy that we had that kind of redemption. So I guess, well, I guess why I brought that up because I, I knew that I was stepping into a situation where I'd had struggles with somebody, not even struggles with her, but I'd struggled around somebody. And so I just tried to mitigate the circumstance as best as possible. I talked to Jeff. I, I wanted to talk to her before we started shooting. We like had a moment and just rehashed stuff so that we could clear it all away and move forward. But, but I don't, I don't think I've had like, you don't know what you're doing. You're an idiot situation. I will say this as a presence on set, I'm 5'11 and I wear wedge shoes. I'm always taller. I have a very loud voice. I'm not stupid. And uh, I know I know what I want, and I'm clear about the show. So I may not know everything, um, and I recognize that, but I know what I'm trying to get. So I will try to communicate that as best as possible. I guess that's what I'm saying. That's so important, and it and it's tough because there are a lot of introverts in this industry, writers, directors, in positions that make it really hard for you to get work um, if you are an introvert. And I always say, you know, put on your, your extrovert hat for the day when you go to pitch this project, when you go to direct something, like, because otherwise you get stepped on and it's the nature of this industry. And so you've got to, if, if you are doing that, I mean, I think if you're a writer, you might be okay as an introvert, but even that, right. Like not if you want to make sure they write, say the words that you have on the paper, right. You, you really have to. So to your point about walking in with that confidence, clearly you've done that since you were a first AD, even since prior to that with up with people you were carrying yourself with that and so then people said oh you should try this next level and they just listen to you when you walk in with with confidence and decisions you know knowing what you want that's that is a set's worst nightmare when a director doesn't know what they want you can that the what i would i say this you 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 are put in a position where you're a director on set and you don't know what you want make a decision. You can go the wrong way and then turn around. But if you don't make a decision and you all sit there, what will happen is everyone feels the void and then everyone will jump in to try and move things forward because there's a lot of like controlling people and it's a, it's a mess. Cause it, cause there's too many cooks in the kitchen at that point. And it's a good, it's a really good point in hearing this from you because you, you have now passed your first time as a director, right? Those first times where of course you're feeling nervous, you're fit, but still, even in those cases, you have to walk in decisive, like you have to walk in and then they'll let you know whether or not you can do it, but you maintain and, and, and your research. And, and know sometimes it's, you know, I, it's not even patronizing to remind us that we need to know <laughs> on a deep level <laughs> the story that we're telling, right? You kind of got to know You got to yeah. know it. Because 
So to be able to have conversation with people about it, yep. you know, because yep. otherwise you just, they'll know, they read it that you, you don't know and they will and know. they'll take, and they'll, they'll walk know. all over you. Let's talk about your feature film. Prompact. Okay. <laughs> yes. Prompact March 31st. Yes. Disney Plus. Yes. Please watch it. Yes. <laughs> it is um it was very cool. I so again, this movie came out of a relationship that I made. I I brought him up earlier. His name's Melvin Marr. He's Jake Kasdan's producing partner. And he produced Fresh Off the Boat. He produced um Bless This Mess. He also produced Speechless. And I did episodes of all of those shows and had a connection with him. And he's like, he, I consider him one of my mentors. If I, I wouldn't be directing if it wasn't for him as well, because Kenya gave me my first episode, Melvin gave me two more. I mean, and, and continued to employ, employ me. So, um, he, uh, got a script and pitched me, pitched me to the producers. And then I had to come in with my, uh, incidentally, I had to do this for Ginny and Georgia and for, um, for prom pact, I had to pitch the studio my vision for the show. So I came in and did that. Can can you talk about that so that if anybody is listening who needs to prepare that kind of materials, what did that look like? Materials and preparation. I hate it so much. I hate it. It's like birth. I've never birthed a baby, but it's what I imagine it is mentally because. Yeah. You need to take all your ideas and distill them into a distill them into a document, a visual document, and then um, and then go through that document with producers talking about visually how you want to service the story, why you should be do, servicing the story, and um, how your you know your ideas for casting your you know whatever that is. And and the, oh, I would say this to you too because both pitches I did. I had something personal in the deck, uh, an image. So like when I did the prom pact <laughs> bitch, I had a picture of myself from prom with my date. And then at the end of it, because it's about promposals, I had a picture of me promposing the exig, you know, like saying, Hey, will you do prom pact with me? Like a, yes. prom, a promposal yes. you know, kind of thing. Yes. And when I did, um, Ginny and Georgia, because it's about a mixed race girl in a small town, I, you know, had in the first couple pages images of me as a little girl um, in a small town. So, you know, I always try to bring the personal connection to the, to the piece into any deck I put out because I think it shows people like how, how really connected you are to the material. Thank you, Anya. Listeners, please. What a, really, because uh, that's the most important thing. Sometimes when you take a pitch, people immediately go into the story. And I'm like, who are you? Why are you telling me that story? And you've got to start with who you are. Why? Why, why you? Yeah, it is. It's why that, you? Why you? Why now? Right? Um, uh, yeah. So why you? Why this? Why now? I love it. So um what was it like? Like, okay, what were the difference, differences between shooting a feature, which also is going to go directly to streaming? So also is there, did that mean something different in terms of how, you know, production, et cetera? And then what was the difference? This was your first time doing a, an actual feature. What was that like? Yeah. So um, a feature going to streamer versus theatrical. 
I think the world is changing with that right now. And the question will be, what are theatrical films now? Are they Marvel things only? And then like the really, really like cheap, amazing Little Miss Sunshines. Like, is it that? And there's no mid, like who knows what's happening. But this movie was always for Disney+. Plus. My team was hesitant for me to do a show that was going on to a streamer because the theatrical thing is what you go for, right? Still, even though, even though people aren't going to the movies, going anymore, to the movies. everyone's <laughs> watching it on TV. But so, so there was a lot of conversation sure. about that. Okay. I ultimately wanted to do it because I like, first of all, this is funny because I hate rom-coms. I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm not a rom-com lover. This is a rom-com, but I, I, I mean, there's a couple of rom-coms I love. I love Easy A. Like there's, there's there rom-coms I like, and I liked the script. It was funny. And uh, Peyton Elizabeth Lee was the star and I was excited to have a mixed race lead. Um, so that was something that I really like was like, yeah, let's do that. And so, and also I was like, this is a great way for me to do my first movie and kind of the cushion of Disney, you know? It's going to be cushioned. Not a bad cushion. It's not a bad cushion. Like, it's like, not a bad it's like, cushion. it's going to, it's going to go on the streamer. It's a solid, you know, solid. It's, but you're in, I mean, you're in and they're going to put money behind the marketing of it. And we're already seeing that everybody, you got to follow on you. If you're not already, hopefully you are, you're longtime listeners, but it's, it's really wonderful to see the support you're getting for this film too. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, so I would say, okay, so the difference between television and feature, going to a TV show that's already running versus a feature that you're going to do yourself, the feature is all on you. <laughs> right. Like, there's no showrunner network. There's right. nobody else saying, no, don't do this, do this, or somebody you're having a conversation with. It's like, oh, you chose that shirt. <laughs> oh, you want that jacket. Wow. Oh, you chose that school. Oh, like... All of it is on you, which is exciting and also Scary daunting hell. because, yeah. Yeah, because that like, and I think that's why directors do this is like, you're manifesting your vision. Your actual wow. vision is coming to screen. <laughs> wow. I mean, obviously you have, for example, we had multiple conversations about the leads and the, the love interests and who's going to do what. And Disney was very involved in those. And while they're, deferential because they've hired you as the director ultimately you have to come to an agreement together along with the producers and everyone else that's involved so it's not just you saying i want this person but all but your the weight of your opinion is way way stronger in a feature than it is in it and then if you're steven spielberg you're doing whatever the hell you make every all every decision for as much money as you possibly could ever need yes exactly exactly which you gonna so get there you gonna get there <laughs> yes i'm on my way I'm on my way. but like i say that that's the major difference is it's all on you it's all on you in the future like it's all on you and it's all it's it's a co- more collaborative um in a television show hey it's fanchon cox and you're listening to sister brunch We'll be right back. And during this really quick break, if you haven't done this already, go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Sister Brunch Podcast.
Hi, I'm Anya Adams, and you're listening to the Sister Brunch Podcast. So Anya, we have a listener question from Lisa Kress. Lisa Kress, thank you so much for uh, leaving us a voicemail with your question. Lisa's an aspiring filmmaker. Let's hear her question. Hello, Sister Brunch. Uh, My name is Lisa Kress, and I'm a young filmmaker and aspiring producer. And as someone who is just entering the world of entertainment and media industries, I want to ask you this question. So what things do you wish you prioritized more in the beginning of your career? It can be both in terms of work ethic, but also life and well-being. I'm very interested. Uh, Thank you very much. Such a good question, Lisa. So Anya, what do you wish you had prioritized more of? I mean, I I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it because, well, I'm going to say it and I'm going to loop it around. So I'm still a single woman. And I feel like that is, there There are times that I wish I'd prioritized that more in my life. Um, however, I'm extremely happy <laughs> where I am now. And being single is like awesome for me. I can do whatever I want. I, if you're watching Chelsea Handler right now on Instagram, she's hilarious every day. She does this thing about being single. So I, there are times, there are times that I wish I'd prioritized that a little bit more. I guess I would say this too. I am I am a person that is like, I say what I want and I step into the day and I try to create that so that I can have it. But I don't freak out if I'm not getting it. And I'm not like, I just would say to you guys, like say what you want, but move through life happily and enjoy the time that you're having in the moment. Enjoy as you move through this journey, whatever the lesson is. Oh my goodness. There you go. I mean, that, that's that got to be priority number one. Just enjoy. Thank you, Lisa, for your question. Anya, this is amazing. Okay, our final question. Anya, you are sitting down to a sister brunch with young Anya. And what are the two of you drinking? What are the two of you eating? And what do you tell young Anya Adams? Okay, well, we're definitely drinking Aperol spritzes. A virgin <laughs> and the, because I'm young and yes. I can't drink yet. And I think it's some <laughs> sort of omelet thing because I do love any kind of omelet at a brunch. I'm not a huge, I mean, I like a pancake every now and then, but omelets are my thing. So maybe we're having omelets with a good feta, Greek feta and some onions and spinach. I think that, uh, what are we talking about? I think it's literally what I said earlier about like not don't you know do a disservice to yourself by putting out in the ethos what you know you can accomplish as your goal. Put out what you want to do. Does that make sense? I just like yeah, because I feel like that was a whole for me. I was like I could do that. I'll be able to do that, but I don't think I'd ever be able to do that. And then the universe allowed me to move in the direction of where I should be, but it doesn't always do that. So you have to speak what you say, what you want, say it. We love you. (laughs) We love it. We love it. Thank you, Anya Adams. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. I feel so honored. Oh, please. (laughs) You're part of the team. Always. (laughs) Yes. 
Thank you so much for listening to Sister Brunch, the podcast that brings you the stories of Black women who are breaking barriers and bringing so much joy to the entertainment and media industries. This is our fourth season. Yes, you heard that. So you can listen to all three seasons. You can go to sisterbrunch.com where you can see the transcripts of our past shows and our current shows. We also so appreciate your support by subscribing to the podcast, leaving us a great review, sharing it with other folks. Also, we want to remind you that you can leave us a voicemail this season. Uh, Leave your questions, things that you'd like us to ask our guests. The phone number is 424-587-4870. Thank you again for listening to Sister Brunch. Thank you for your support, for your reviews. Sister Brunch is brought to you by Trujillo Productions. Our senior producer is Sonata Lee Narciss. Our co-producer is Brittany Turner. Our associate producers are Farida Abdul-Wahab and Mimi Slater. Our executive producers are Christabel Nsiabwadi and Anya Adams. We acknowledge that the land we record our podcast on is the original land of the Tongva and the Chumash people. That's our show for this week and we will catch you next time on Sister Brunch.